0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. The music ministry at Tri-City Baptist Church typically prepares our hearts for a message. Today, it was just an equal opportunity offender, so I'm very thankful for that. There's nothing I can say now that will top that, so I'm I'm actually very liberated in what I'm going to say and do uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up to Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, We're going to be looking at a very familiar passage this morning, but honestly we're going to take a little bit of a um, path to get there. I feel almost kind of like Dr. T. I used to say that Dr. T was the only guy that I knew that took a rabbit trail and came back with bear. Uh, So I'm going to try to do something similar this morning. As I've gotten older, (laughs) uh, which is inevitable, um, I've tried to become more aware. I think awareness is overrated at times, but it is really significant. Um, It is very significant in our life. I remember when uh, Lisa and I were in seminary, and this was a a while ago now, and uh, she was pregnant with Acadia. And I was in chapel that day, and listening to the sermon, and honestly, kind of there, kind of not, because of all the other things that we had going on. And um, our church secretary, Evie Gaiman, came up behind me and touched me on the shoulder and said, Jeff, Lisa's been taken to the hospital with um, looking like she's going to deliver. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, thank you, Evie. And then I went back to listening to the chapel service right. <laughs> Evie, graciously enough and wise enough, stepped back to my ear and said, I think you need to go. And sure, I, then it hit me, yes, I probably need to go. So I got up to the left. Katie wasn't born at that time. She was born a little bit later. But it struck me that awareness is really, really an important thing. Not just to see a fact, but to know the significance of that fact. Not just to reckon, come to grips with a truth, but also to act upon that truth. We're going to look at this a little bit today, and I'm, and I'm going to have you buckle your seatbelts a little bit because we're going to do a couple different things in the sermon today. That should scare you a little bit. Um, but it's all planned. It's all, it all should be good. I'd like to begin by going back and looking at James chapter 2, what we just read. Because I feel like this illustrates that awareness factor in our life. This, this is a fact that James gives us that should push us to action. He says in verse 19, just looking at verses 19 and 20, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? What James is trying to do is he's trying to give us a truth, but he's also trying to push us to action. And you can see that here in the parts that I've highlighted. He's like, look, you're all good. It's all good that if you believe that there is a God, the demons do that, but they don't take action on that. They don't take the appropriate action in regards to that. If you took the appropriate action, your faith, your belief in that truth would lead you to specific action to works this got to me think this got me thinking you know one of the one of the benefits one of the privileges that we have in our bible study and the fact that we do have bibles is the fact that we can go back again and again and look at different truths and see wisdom see wisdom throughout the entire bible when we think of wisdom often we'll run the proverbs and that's appropriate because in Proverbs, wisdom is personified, um, specifically in the first nine chapters. I, oftentimes, the, the chapter or the pericope will start off by saying, my son, my son, my son. Because the instructor, the father, is trying to get his son's attention and um, clue him in, give him some awareness as the way that life works. And one of the ways that he does that, very brilliantly, he personifies wisdom as a woman. Hopefully tying it to some of the natural attraction that's there. Say, listen, lady wisdom is someone that you should pursue. She's someone that you should become acquainted with, a part of your life. He personifies wisdom for his son. But there, he then gives very practical, daily choice type of instruction. And often that instruction is pointed. It's got a barb to it. It's got a, it's, um, <laughs> some people say sometimes I have to get out my sharp stick to get this person to move forward. Yeah, Proverbs would agree with that. Sometimes Proverbs has to get out a sharp stick to move us forward. But if we listen to wisdom, if we listen to Proverbs, I think one of the ways that we could summarize what Proverbs is saying is, listen, make life choices before life experiences. Come to grips with truth and make decisions before you have to experience negative consequences for bad decisions. One of our seminary professors as I've already talked about seminary, he used to say um, wisdom or Proverbs is the statement of you can either read the sign or take the climb. And that goes back to a story of he and his family that went to uh, the dunes, this national park that had incredible dunes. And in their excitement, they ran down the dunes to the bottom and enjoyed the day next to the shore but then, at the end of the day, they looked back up that dune. <laughs> and hours later, they all made it to the top. Because, I mean, how, how difficult would it be to walk in sand, especially uphill? And then he said, when they got to their car, and they all fell into the seats and looked, there in front of them were two uh, full sheets of plywood that made a sign that said, Danger. <laughs> do not go down the dunes. (laughs) So he came to the conclusion, wow, you can live your life either by reading the sign or taking the climb. You can live your life either by listening to truth and living your life ahead of experience or just experience it and go along and take the climb. This does have a connection back to James because James as well is considered a wisdom book. In fact, James sometimes is called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And that's appropriate because you see here, again, perceptive, not personification, but there's some perception here. James said, saving faith works. This is how life is. If you're a Christian, if you know God, if you trust him for your salvation, for your eternal soul, then you should also trust him for the other things that he says. And that saving faith that we have now works. Now does things. It lives It lives its life differently. But then very similar to, to Proverbs. It's very practical. Daily choices. And very pointed. The hearer again needs to make a choice. Um, if you could summarize James. You might summarize it by. You are God's people. Or if you are God's people. Live like it. Make the choices that follow. Follow that faith. So that got me to thinking about, okay, where else do we see wisdom? And that led me, or as I was reading through Matthew, I saw it again. And that's this is our text for today. Our text is Matthew 7, through 29. So I'd like to read through it, but then we're going to continue to work our way through it. Matthew seven twenty four through 29 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Who built his house on the sand? And the rains ascended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. Now, here on our slides, all this text is in white, but perhaps in our physical Bibles, maybe in our electronic Bibles, the text probably is red. One of the reasons why that is is because this is Jesus that's talking. And I find it interesting, as as after he makes this statement, we're given one more set of details here in verses 28 and 29. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. There was was a definitive element to Jesus' statements. Sometimes when I interact with people, they push back on the fact that Jesus' philosophy, Jesus' theology, Jesus' w- worldview is exclusive. And the truth that who Jesus is and who he says he is and what he proved to be true is pretty exclusive. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes in the Father but by him. That's a pretty consistent message of Jesus. But our pretty consistent reaction is to push back against that. They're like, whoa, whoa, that's a little bit too much authority there, Jesus. I think I need to weigh in on this, or I think I need to have a different idea, or I don't know if I buy in entirely. But that is not what wisdom teaches us as we read through the Scriptures and we try to hear what the Scriptures are telling us, what God is trying to tell us. In fact, if we were to try to kind of just codify it, maybe even put... The sermon's bottom line up front. Some of the things that we could say is that wisdom is being in awe of God and obeying his word. I know there's a ton of different definitions of wisdom, but I think there's this is an element to it. Wisdom is I'm I'm in awe of who God is. I respect him. I understand that he is the authority. I understand that he knows what's going on. He's the one that's truly aware. But based upon that understanding and that positioning, I obey his word. When Jesus talks to us, as we're going to look at here in scripture, what I also see is in that role or in that place, Jesus often will say, okay, okay, I am the authority. I'm going to tell you the way that life works. And this is wisdom for you in this area of life. Let me tell you, it's this, not that. It's this thing that you should pursue. It's this perception that you should have. It's this truth that you need to believe in. Not this, or not that. It's this, not that. And we're going to see how that kind of plays out as we look through the Scripture. But then, if I'm listening to myself and I'm listening to what the text of Scripture is telling us, it's not enough just to observe. It's not enough just to say, hey, that's kind of cool. Wisdom is meant to be actionable truth is meant to be actionable so if i boil it all the way down there is a ought to what jesus is saying it's not just information there's an ought therefore because of this what should you do well build wisely build wisely live your life in a way that reflects the truth of god Live your life that shows that you are believing Him, that you are in awe of Him and you obey Him. Build wisely. Now before we jump in to Matthew chapter 7 in the latter verses, uh, I've got to do a little bit of justice to the other persona that I have. Um, When we came here in 2006 I started off by being a professor over at IBCS and I continue to do that today. One of the Uh, classes that I teach consistently is hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is basically just interpretation. It's trying to understand a body of literature. You can also apply it to other things, but particularly a body of literature, trying to understand what it meant to the original hearers so that I can apply it to today. There's a really easy step or an easy way to walk through that. Basic hermeneutics 101. And that is, well, when I open up my Bible, I observe what's there. I see, I look, I pay attention, I observe. But then I work at, okay, what does that mean? And then the action of, how do I change? What do I need to change? That's basic Bible study. And we're kind kind of going to do that together here today. We're going to do some basic Bible study here together. Observing, interpreting, and applying. But as we do that, I find another picture or another illustration that helps me understand the level at which I'm doing that. And since I'm kind of visually, I don't know, um, visually impaired, (laughs) I think through, okay, not just concepts, but representations. As we do our Bible study, it's often said, you know, what type of Bible study are you doing? Are you running around the lake? Are you, are you in your speedboat cruising around the entire lake? Are you fishing? Or are you scuba diving? Are you getting a big picture? Are you getting a little bit smaller picture? Or are you going deep into one specific area? Well, of course, because I'm a professor, because, you know, I, I seek to influence and inflict pain on my students. Um... That's what all good professors do, right? I'd like to do all three this morning. <laughs> so big picture, where are we at? We're in Matthew. Big picture Matthew. What do we know? Well, in Matthew there's five discourses that Jesus makes. That's pretty, that's pretty significant, right? Here's Jesus talking and framing his message, his theology in five distinct chunks. That's helpful. Those chunks are followed by miracle narratives. Now you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why would Matthew put his information or put the story in that way? Why would he couch it like that? Well, I believe it's because it shows Jesus tells us what is true and then gives us reason to believe him. I love talking to scientists. I love talking to naturalists. And what I mean by that are people that, that just believe or have their worldview centered on a naturalistic view. That the, only the things that we can touch, taste, feel, smell are the things that are real. It's the natural world. Jesus is a supernatural being. God is supernatural. He's not bound by this natural world. So what does he do? He says, okay, let me tell you what's true, but then let me prove that or bolster that by taking things in this natural world and saying, watch this. Watch what I can do here. You see I have authority. I can dictate, I can exercise my sovereignty over the natural world through miracles. And that gives me more credibility with you when I tell you about supernatural things. I used to wonder why Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. I was like, okay, that seems like an unusual miracle. But then as I thought about it, in that miraculous event, one of the things that he did is he created and he stepped through time. In order to go from water, the molecular structure of water, to the molecular structure of wine, you have to add molecules. You have to change, you have to add, and you have to manipulate them. But beyond that, oftentimes with fermentation, you need time. And neither one of those thwarted Jesus' ability. He demonstrated creation and being a master of time in that one event. But that wasn't his only miracle. Matthew lays these things out as saying, this is who God is. This is who Jesus is. Jesus talked to both the masses and his disciples in this gospel. And his consistent message was, follow me, obey me. But more specifically, kind of going down a little bit further here... There are different things that Matthew brings out. There are, there's a whole host of them that we could look at. But these are four of the major themes in Matthew. Front and center. Um, when you read through Matthew, you should walk away saying, you know what? This Jesus guy, he's king. He is the Messiah. He is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is Emmanuel. It's one of my favorite names of Jesus. Emmanuel. God With us. That's a profound statement. But Matthew continues. (laughs) Ironically, ironically, maybe, Jesus is rejected. People fail to accept him as their authority. They find a reason, they find a way to deny who Jesus is, to deny this picture of reality. Uh, Nope, he's not. He's not this, he's not that. It doesn't make sense to me, so therefore it can't be true. I'm going to have to change if I accept this, so I'm not going to accept this. And they reject Jesus. This is one of the other themes that Matthew brings out. Hopefully the thing that we're all very thankful for is that Jesus is also presented. Jesus is also shown to be the Savior. He is the sacrificial lamb of God that gave his life for both the Jew and Gentile. Romans 5:8 God demonstrated his love toward us how in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us um, I pause here just because I don't ever want to take for granted that everybody that's hearing my voice right now knows Jesus as their savior Um there have been multiple, and there will be continue to be, examples of people that hear the message, that hear the gospel, that don't accept Jesus as their Savior. And it's really interesting to me. I've, I've had the opportunity to sit and talk with people recently that are at the end of their life. And I, I'm talking, you know, if the course of natural events continues... The person I'm talking to right now is not going to be alive in three weeks. I met a man the other day, and I I was with him at 9 a.m., and by 5, 5 p.m., he was dead. The thing that really, really impresses me is... So many of these people that I sit and talk with, in their are sitting, I, I, I call the stage of their life that they're in right at that moment, it, it's like they're at death's bus stop. <laughs> I know that's a little morbid, it's a little dark. <laughs> but they're sitting there, and death is coming. The bus is coming. You, you don't know how quickly it's coming. It's on a schedule. It's coming around, and it's coming for them. But you know what? They still sit there, and they, they still reject Jesus, One man that I talked to yesterday, sorry, Friday, he just he's clearly the bus is clearly coming for him, and his statement to me over and over again is, "I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about God. I'm not ready." <laughs> I'm like, dude, you better get ready because you're going to stand before God. You're going to stand before God very soon. Are you ready for that? And the fact of the matter is, all of us are going to do that. We don't know. We may be sitting at death's bus, bus stop right now. And we just don't know it. The bus is going to hit us in the middle of the road. <laughs> Again, kind of dark. A little funny, but kind of dark. But It's true. It's true. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then get over yourself, reckon with truth, and accept Him. Period. End of story. And that may seem heavy handed, or maybe it could seem passionate because I care for the eternal souls. Accept Jesus as your Savior. He died for you. Salvation's a gift that you can freely accept by grace through faith. And you need to do it if you haven't already. The other theme that Matthew hits on is that Jesus is true. His word and his prophecies prove true. Matthew points to that. Well, one of the things i, I don 't want to walk away from um, it 's kind of like it 's kind of like looking forward to going you know to looking forward to Christmas and the part where you go to maybe your parents house or maybe you go to some relative 's house. And you just really get excited about all the presents that are there. Or you get really excited about the food that's in the refrigerator. Or you get really excited about their big TV that's there. You get all excited about that, but then you fail to get excited about the fact that you're with family. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tragedy. I don't ever want to walk away from that fact here. We can get enamored with the fact that Jesus is king, that he was rejected, that he's the savior, that he's true, and that he gives us all these things. But let's not forget to get enamored with Jesus. He's a personal God that seeks to relate to us personally. And that's so important for us to know. Well, that was just a lap around the lake. Let's do a little bit of fishing. (laughs) Let's get into the Sermon on the Mount specifically. It's interesting, as we do that, we just look at this particular section of the lake, if you will. We see Jesus starting this sermon, starting this context, by talking about the Beatitudes, kingdom norms. He talks about the law. But then he also gives us instruction. He's like, you know what? People give alms, they pray, they fast. But here it is, it's kind of like a preview. This is the way you do it, not that way. He continues on, and he's like, listen, kingdom perspective, you just need to trust me on this. And there are dangers and delimiters to how we walk through the kingdom and and how Jesus presents it. But where he goes, the point that I believe that he's trying to make is at the conclusion. He says, okay, there's a call for a decision here. There's something that you need to decide. You need to see that it's this. I'm telling you, it's this. It's not that. But that needs to translate into an action. And that's what I believe is kind of a theme or kind of a thread as now we jump out of our fishing boat and kind of do a little bit of scuba scuba diving, going deep into this one particular passage. And I kind of want you to interact with me here. This is almost kind of like an inductive sermon where we're going to look at Scripture and I'm going to ask you to think a little bit. Sorry about that. Ask you to think a little bit and then come to some conclusions. Let's start off in this particular section. Look what Jesus says in Matthew seven thirteen. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. See, this is is why I come to the thought, or my observation, I'll do the first one for you, then we'll look at three others. The first one, I look at this and I say, Jesus is here telling us, okay, it's this, it's not that. Well, specifically, Jesus, what are you saying? He's saying, okay, there are two gates. There are two gates. You want the narrow one, not the wide. This, not that. What would we be prone to do? We would be prone to go the wide gate. But Jesus says, no, you don't want that one. It's not that one. Why? Because wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many people go that way. Don't you do it. Go the narrow way. It's difficult. But it leads to life. Isn't that a great piece of I'd say advice, but that's too weak. Isn't that, isn't that a great truth? Hey, before you get down the path too far, after you go through the wide gate, you're going to find out this is not where you want to be. You, don't, you didn't set out to destruction. So don't go that way. Don't go that way. Go this way. Narrow is the way takes another step. Look at this one. You can work through this one with me. Starting in verse 15. I really like this one. This is actually one of my favorite ones. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. If you keep on reading, he continues to break that idea apart. and He talks about Fruit, he talks about trees. In fact, sometimes in Bibles they'll have these little headings. And as I was looking at several of those, um, one of the headings said two trees, one said two fruits. But actually, I don't think that's what Jesus is pointing at. Can you you kind of discern through observation maybe what he's pointing at? Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. What would that look like? This is a nice little sheep. A little sheepy sheep. I think I'll pet it. I think I'll cuddle with it. And all of a sudden, he's got you in a grip around your neck. <laughs> he's a ravenous wolf. Oh, wait. Ooh, wish I would have known that. So what does Jesus say? He switches the metaphor, which I trust that Jesus didn't commit the fallacy of mixed metaphors. He switches metaphors to tell us the truth. He tells us what he's wanting us to see. He's like, listen, by their fruit you know them. What's he getting at? Well, there's two determiners about what's good or bad. The one you want to choose is where the pathway ends, not where it begins. Don't live your life based upon, does this look like a sheep or not? Well, it could be a wolf. Well, it looks like a sheep right here, right now. Okay, but don't make your life choices based upon immediate perception. Make life choices based upon the fruit that it bears. Again, mixed metaphor, but I trust Jesus on this one. When does fruit come out? When do we see fruit on a tree? Well, after it's planted, it grows. There's time. Is this a good fruit or is this a bad fruit? Or I'm sorry, is this a good tree or a bad tree? Well, look at where it goes, look at what it produces, look at where it ends. Can you hear the wisdom of what Jesus is saying? When you're making life choices, don't make them based upon instantaneous perception or determiners. Make them based upon future or ending determiners. A great piece of advice. It's a great truth. But he's not done. He's got two more. Verse 21. This one's a tough one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Surprise. (laughs) Sorry, again, dark humor. Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wondrous things in your name? What's Jesus or God's response here? I will declare to them. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. Boy, that's a stark reality, isn't it? Boy, you don't want to get to the end of that road and hear God say to you, "I didn't know you. Who are you?" But God, look at all the stuff that I did. I helped twenty-seven old ladies across the street. Whatever it is. Look what I did. Sorry, Charlie. I don't think God says that. <clears throat> What's he saying? Well, again, trying to understand what God what Jesus is saying here, there's two currencies and you could probably improve my outline. That's I'm good with you if you do that. But two currencies. Relational and sensational. I come to God with all the sensational stuff I did for him. And I try to transact. And he says, nope. The currency that I accept is relational. What I'm telling you is, this is the way to live your life. Know me, right? If we flip this around, if we think, if we, if we sharpen up our awareness, what is God telling us? What is Jesus telling us? Choose a relationship. Know God, in all that we do, No God. It's not enough. It's not the right currency to just do stuff, even if they're sensational stuff. It's faith that leads to work. It's not works in order to get faith or earn faith or to get salvation. It's I am a child of God. This is who I am based upon what Jesus did for me. This is who I am. Therefore, since that's true, I work. James would agree. Proverbs would agree. Since then. Not the other way around. God says it's, it's relational. You need to know me. Not enough just to be involved in the sensational. But then we get to our text. Isn't that great? We just finally got to our text. <laughs> this is this is the culminating statement. So here's what I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna try to really engage your mind. You have this exact slide in your outline, in your bulletin. But I want you to do is just take a minute and observe all of the things that are the same. Jesus intentionally lays out this part with making same statements about these two men, these two builders. Identify all of the things where they are the same. Can you do that real quick? Whether you highlight them, whether you cross them out, or whatever you need to do, just look through the text and take note of all the areas where they're the same. We laid out the outline, and we laid it out to kind of help you do that. You can look back and forth. To so take a moment to do that. I like seeing the tops of heads. That means you're looking down, doing it. That's good. As I prepared, I also did the same thing. Pulled out my trusty green highlighter. These are all the areas where it's the same. Whoever hears, everyone who hears. These sayings of mine, these sayings of mine. Who built a house, who built a house. And then what happens? And then what happens? I love that. Then what happens? Rain descends, rain descends. Floods came, floods came. Winds blew, winds blew. Beat on the house, beat on the house. All those things are the same. You know one of the things that we could discern from that? This, has, this stuff happens to everybody. Right? Anybody that tells you that Christians get a pass on difficulty is lying. <laughs> and they want something. Another <laughs> sermon of the time. <laughs> so look at all the ways that Jesus intentionally puts parallel here. Okay, this is what happens to both. Okay, now let's start looking at some of the things that are different hold out our yellow highlighter. Well, the one side, we're talking about a wise man. On the other side, we're talking about a foolish man. A pretty stark difference. Wise is not foolish. Foolish is not wise. Huh, look at that. What's well, also different? Where are they built. Both build. All men, all women, build. But where they build, that's a difference. One was on a rock, One was on sand. Results. Where did those pathways lead? Again, different. One did not fall. One fell and great was the fall. It wasn't just a collapse of a living room. It was everything. Pretty significant. But there's also a little bit of other details that we should take note of. Just in case we missed it. The wise man, he built his house upon a rock. But then, because there's many of us that are sitting in chapel, having the secretary whisper in their ear, hey, your wife's in the hospital, you should probably go. Right? This is for us. <laughs> yeah, the reason why it stood, it did not fall, is because it was found on the rock. But I think there's one more thing that we really need to observe. And maybe you did when you were noticing comparisons and contrasts. And it's a combination of what both men do and what they don't do. They both hear. They both hear what Jesus is saying, and the fact that their ears are working. But where is it that they differ? They don't take the appropriate action. One hears and does this is what you need to do. One hears but does not do. That is what you don't want to do. Isn't that beautiful? That's that's classic wisdom. That's classic truth that Jesus is literally putting the cookies not only on the bottom shelf, he's putting them on the floor for us. Look at this, he says. Look at this. This is the way that life works. This is what I want you to do. Not just listen to what I have to say, but then have your faith, your trust in what I say, work itself out into my choices. So there's two foundations rock and sand. Rock, this is what you want, not sand. So if I scale back out, and I I have to do this sometimes for myself, because as I work through texts of scriptures, and I observe all this stuff, I want to start working towards truths or things that I can make actionable. And so the final three points that we have here. What it seems to be that Jesus is telling us is deception is predatory, now I, I I struggled with this word predatory. I, I worked back and forth with it, trying but the idea that I'm trying to get at is um, I I I do really like the videos that are on Facebook or on YouTube where people are playing with great white sharks. You you watch those? now, now it seems like they're they're every, those same people are now playing with alligators. You know, you have these thirty foot out. I don't know, these huge alligators and people are jumping on their backs or they're petting their nose or they're out in the ocean and they're throwing meat out to the shark and the shark comes up and they're messing with its nose that's a predator <laughs> don't don't forget who that is don't forget what that is he is there for one purpose and that is to eat you <laughs> that's what he's there for that's what he's built to do he's not a toy <laughs> Deception is kind of like that. It's, it's around us all the time, but we, we're not always aware that deception is out to get us, that deception is aggressively pursuing us. Gates are wide. Ways are broad. This is our world. Prophets are initially convincing. They're good at it. They bring truth in a palatable way. Sincerity, experience, even activity at times seem adequate. Seems like that's good enough. But biblical instruction is necessary. Biblical instruction helps us see that deception. Helps us, again, become aware. This is a predator. Those teeth are not ornamental. They're actionable. (laughs) And obedience is critical. If we're listening to what Jesus is saying, obedience is critical. Second, distinctions are not just instructive But they're prescriptive. The distinctions are prescriptive. Hearing alone is insufficient. Again, some of these things are saying the same thing again, just in different ways. But I'm I'm trying to discern. I'm trying to say, Jesus, okay, what is it that you really want me to know? What is it that I really should take away from this? Well, hearing alone is insufficient. God's Word is foundational for our life. It's where you build. All men, all women build. We all build. It's where we build that makes the difference. So build on Jesus. Build on his word. Build, but build wisely. (laughs) Storms are inevitable. Storms are inevitable. I, I do think that this is another piece that we're deceived on. Well, if I just do good, if I just do, you know cross all my T's, dot all my I's, evil will not be, or difficulty will be out of my life. It's like a force field. Nope, 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 nope. Storms are inevitable. Death is certain. i got to throw that in there again. Dark humor, right? Death is certain. It's coming for you. The bus is coming. What do we do? Again, truths. What's the action? What's the prescription? Hearing alone is insufficient, so follow through with what you hear. If you have faith, let it work. Obey God's word, embrace His perception, embrace His wisdom. Again, storms are inevitable. So discern. What do I mean by that? Why discern? Because if I'm in a storm and I realize these are somewhat inevitable, then I have to ask myself, okay, why is God allowing this? What is what does God want me to learn here? I told you that we came in 2006. One of the reasons why we came here was because Dr. Stan Bushy, many of you may still remember him was a professor at IBCS and his health was failing he struggled with cancer for many years and then finally succumbed to cancer but one of his he was a very tenacious man teaching up until the very end and and i remember sitting in his office one of the two times that i got to talk to him when we came and one of the things that he said is don't waste the pain don't waste the trial. And coming from a man that is in the throes of death with cancer, that's pretty powerful. Don't waste the pain. Don't waste the storm. Okay, how do I not waste the storm? Well, one way is as a check on what I truly believe about God. This storm comes in my life of something I can't control. okay. Maybe I could use this storm to discern what I really think about God who's in control. Maybe this other thing comes into my life. Okay, am I going to use this storm to discern how God is good or how God is wise? Do I take the storm or use the storm to help me go deeper with my God? Or do I miss that? Discern how to use the storm. Another thought, though, is let's say I'm not going through a storm right now, but holy cow, I walk outside this room, or maybe I even stay in this room, and I could hit somebody with a dead cat if I swir- swirled it around. That is going through a storm. Okay, how can I help them? How can I encourage them? What words could I say what way can I point them to Scripture? How can I just love on them while they're going through this storm? Maybe God brought you to this church and, to do that. That's a point of discernment. We've talked about death as certain, so prepare. Prepare. But you see, I left one out. Build, but build wisely. Okay, it's more than just Rock. It really is building on Jesus. I thought I had that one. I didn't. It should say right underneath there. Build on Jesus. Jesus is not just a philosophy. He's a person. He relates to us as a person. Not just a way of living. We're disciples. But then you come back to this idea. Why do we fight it? <laughs> because we're like, okay, I don't really know if I want to accept that authority. It comes with other things. So I'm not I'm gonna just sit here and deny. Deny. And then there it is. Trust Jesus. Third and finally, rest assured, decisions have consequences. You <laughs> warmed and filled. <laughs> That's the encouraging statement of of today. Decisions have consequences. The wide gate and the broad way are easy, but what's the consequence? They lead to destruction. All its ideas initially seem acceptable, but bad fruit comes from bad trees. Activity can be sensational. Who? a genuine relationship with Jesus is prioritized. Genuine relationship with Jesus is prioritized. And then finally we get this one because we live in the desert. Sand is available. (laughs) It's everywhere. But what you do with Jesus is what matters in the storm. The inevitable storm of death is coming for us all so are you preparing for that? There are only two places to build. Either Jesus or it's someplace else. So we again do. Where are you going to build? Whether it's for salvation, the eternal destiny of your soul, and the eternal relationship with the God of this universe, or whether it's just the way that we live our daily life as Christians and disciples. Where are we going to build? If we're wise, if we build wisely. We're going to be in awe of God and obey his word. Let's pray together.